0: Welcome, everybody. Welcome. And welcome to an exciting episode of NCFS meets Carbonite Bounty BS. Yes, you've heard it here, guys. We have what some people say, the war between worlds. Some would people say, um, as you saw in our last episode, this may be our Avengers Endgame type moment. But yes, this is a clash among titans. Our two biggest shows, Nerd Psycho Comic Flick Show and Carbonite Bounty BS meeting square to square. And forging another episode as we call Docket 2 of Nerd Court. Today's episode of Nerd Court, before we get into that, will be sponsored by Carbonite Bounty BS, as you all know him, as well as Nerd Psycho Comic Flick Show. So out of all the platforms you watch on YouTube, I hope everybody's subscribing to Nerd NerdCyclopedia Transcontinental and look us up on YouTube. You can listen to us on all your streaming platforms, whether it be iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple, Google, you name it. You find us, you hear us, look us up, we're on there. Please smash up the likes and please leave any comments on any of our social platforms such as Facebook, Instagram. We have a Carbonite Bounty BS Facebook group. A lot of the guys such as Thomas Hastings are involved and it's a fun place for everybody to voice their opinions. So definitely please tune in, sit back for this next hour or so and let's get into the trial. Today's docket, we will have the case of George Lucas's revisions to Star Wars, some people are against it, some people are for it, but we will see exactly what the judge and the jury will come as a verdict. First off, we'll introduce the plaintiff who is against the revisions. This man is a man of many names. Some people say more than a thousand names, such as Dean Malenko, but this guy on our show needs no introduction. Ladies and gentlemen, let's introduce our guy, Moth Tarkin. Thank you, Bailiff. And the defense for the revisions would be a guy that really doesn't need an introduction. The co-founder of this channel itself. The guy who has a history of history beyond history. And he is our guy on the buttons, aka our DJ, sound guy, and everything. The defense. Let's introduce our guy, Steel City Hitch.
1: I'm here to I'm here to rock and roll, and I'll tell you, I think these changes have been maligned for too too long,
0: sir. <laughs> let, let's let's wait for the let's wait for yeah, the let, ladies and gentlemen. Need, let's we need, before we even get going. Yeah, let's. Let's wait for the proceedings. Yeah, everybody. Every, everybody, everybody let's get in our corners. And without further adduction, all members of the prosecution, the defense, please rise for your judge of tonight's proceedings, our very own in the Cleveland Brown Memorial <laughs> Court, our very own judge DP Brown.
2: You may be seated. Your Honor.
0: Your Honor. So, Your Honor, as you've heard, uh, we have a case here, uh, Docket 2. We have an interesting one, so to speak. Um, Ah, We have the case to where there are some certain Star Wars revisions that, um, well, basically, some people are against. But we also have the defense who is for these revisions. So we're just going to go over the case of uh, this George Lucas Star revisions, um, and we'll let you lead off to who you want to hear from first, as far as their opening statements.
2: Thank you, Bailiff. Um, like your bald head. Appreciate, Appreciate it, Good. Thank you, Judge. All right. So. Um, I think we're going to start out with, well, first of all, um, I want to thank you guys for coming to court today. You know, very um, pleasurable to see you guys. Um, You guys look, you know, really great tonight. Um, Let's keep this civil. Let's keep this dignified um, because we know this argument has been an argument that's been going on for a number of years now. We want to keep this in a civil court, civil proceeding. Okay. So I will bang the gavel if things get out of hand and, just don't let me get to that point. Okay. All right. Yes, sir. Sure. Okay. Yeah. All right. So Bailiff, um, who is you, who would call up first? The, um, I guess let's uh, let the, the defense. Yes. Yeah. Let's let the, um, defense, you know, um, defend this position. Oh, I, I'm sorry. Actually, you know what? Let's start off with the prosecution. Okay. Um, present your argument. Uh, defense. Do you have something to say? No, I know. You right. uh, no, okay. I don't No. You don't. So I'm the judge here. So we shall start with the prosecution. Present your argument opening statements, please. Thank you, your honor. So <clears throat> I'd like to start with
3: just removing a few things from the plate. This will help the defense also. Um, I'd like to remove any arguments against the audio enhancements. I'd also like to take off the plate any uh <clears throat> video or uh thx enhanced enhancements uh we are going i would like to present this as we are going to say the thx widescreen vision uh, version of the films is the perfect place to start so we're going to eliminate audio we're going to eliminate soundtrack and we're eliminate any video enhancements uh from the argument those anything done up until that point are perfectly fine I have no problem with them. Your Honor,
1: the Your Honor, I, I must object. The, the, the defense is attempting, the prosecution is attempting to cordon off the revisions done by George Lucas into different buckets that are deemed as acceptable and not acceptable. And it seems to me that the prosecution would uh, like the standard I, to be subjective rather
3: than objective. I would like to cross object and say that these revisions that I've stated have not changed the story have not altered characters and have not changed the otherwise perfect vibe of the film as re- as released originally.
2: Okay. So these are pretty much just opening statements, but I do um, side with the defense that um, to take these things off the table is pretty much taken, you know, um, sectioning off a of, uh, court, court office as, as he would say um, a section of the argument that we're presenting here. Sustained sure i say the sustain there okay hey, go ahead say it all right sustain
3: all right so i'd like to start with introducing a man in his late teens early 20s that had a vision a story in his mind that he was, was looking for a way to get out there in the world and he it came from inspiration from the wild wild west it came from inspiration from uh er, very 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 uh, Early samurai uh, stories, Ronin soldiers, and he found a way to put these ideas into a modern vehicle that he felt that would be accepted by society. It was something new, it was a fresh take on cowboys and Indians, on good and evil, on uh, knights of the Round Table. It was a modern take. He decided to set this story in outer space, and he had a perfect plate to build this on. And he did so. And he released three fine films over the course of six, seven years under the guidance of Fox Films, 20th Century Fox, with the beautiful soundtrack driven by John Williams. And and then story with these actors that he found that built a bond of um, inspiration, dreams, and we could all see these images on the screen and fall in love with them. Um, The basis of my argument is, I'm gonna just start with a a classic example of, if if something is not broken, do not attempt to fix or alter that thing, especially if it's running the way it should. A classic automobile, a home that has classic uh, virtue and classic bones to it um a society that's running correctly that there aren't any potholes of of disparage of 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 prejudice why mm-hmm. all streets? so as i open up this table to i'm sure it's going to be a heated battle with a lot of tense words i want to also say that we all love these films but i feel that the enhancements and revisions um have taken away and or were not necessary did not did not push the plot push the characters in any better direction than they had already been done by george originally um, so classic place to start here is
2: the scene in the cantina with han and Greedo. Well, before we get into specifics, or do, does this complete your opening um, argument? It, it does. I think it does lay enough
3: of the uh, groundwork that I, 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 I feel that my my position will be, uh, you know, uh, strengthened through this entire proceeding, sir. So guys, okay. I say, do.
2: Excellent. Excellent. Excellent um, opening statements there, um, um, pr- um, prosecution. Um, defense, do you have opening statements? Uh,
1: yes. Yes, I certainly do, Your Honor. And before I begin, may I, may I take this opportunity to commend Your Honor on, on an excellent, excellent outfit for tonight's uh, tonight's Thank you. Uh, ar- right. argument. Well, I, I just wanted to say, to say I, I appreciate it. it's so fresh, just the way it looks with the robe and the sunglasses. Your Honor, you're just, you're just such an attractive man, and I just wanted to I, say that
2: I to you right it. now. Thank you for I, bringing that up.
1: I also would like to say that every day I look at this character of your very attractive children as well, and I would like to say that they are very attractive as
2: well. Thank you. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. You know,
1: now Your Honor is also a very smart man, uh, one of the smartest men I've ever met in my entire life. In in fact, Your Honor. <laughs> okay. Do, do we have a Do we have an opening statement here,
3: or do we have complimenting the, the throne? <laughs>
0: do
2: I do I feel do I smell coercion, Your Honor? Um, not as of yet. You know, I'm I'm I've I was waiting for someone to, you know. Um, I, I have some I'm, 1977
3: I'm, yes. Star Wars figures that I'd gladly make let, you. Let's
2: order in a court. Let's get back to the. Let's get back to the subject at hand. It's subject at hand. Subject at hand. Present your um opening your, argument. Your Your Honor, uh, back to where I was.
1: Your, your Honor, you are a very smart, uh, a smart man, and, and you are a creator. You've you Already stated that. I'll say it again. You're very smart. You are a creator of, of excellent comic books. You are an author of some renown. And I, I declare that as an author, you, I, I'm certain, would feel an ownership over your own creations uh, and your own storytelling and would feel that should you want to revise or change or reissue those stories in any form or medium, that it would be well within your right as the owner of those characters and characters and, and stories. As I would imagine that would be the case, uh, as you are a smart man and very attractive. Uh, today, I am here to defend a man's right to tinker with his own art. And, and, and I'll tell you here, uh, I, I think we're giving 1975, George Lucas, a little too much credit here, y'all. George Lucas at that time did not have the muscle to tell the story he wanted, let alone the ability technologically. Uh, Fox was breathing down his neck, and he had budgetary concerns keep in mind also and as we go through the record it will show that there were many other scenes filmed specifically in tunisia in 1976 that mr lucas did not avail himself of showing restraint also the record will show that as this movie has been improved over time society has felt the need to improve its video and audio and I would say, sir, that subtracting out those improvements from the revisions done by George Lucas over the years.
2: <laughs> but this is America. I'm done. Okay. That was a that was an opening statement there. What do you think, Bailiff?
0: Your Honor, I I think it's very it's a riveting opening statement, but um you know, I, I really like to get in the meat and potatoes of this case here because I, I, they're, they're both giving us good opening statements. But I'd uh, love to hear some supporting evidence as far as why we should and, and should not support these revisions so the court can make a, a proper decision. Mm. The prosecution, um, would you like to, you know, give us your first uh, piece of evidence here?
2: Yes,
3: I'll start with the big cookie. Han, did he fire first? Okay, so the original, the idea of why the revision happened <clears throat> was that he didn't want to put, all of a sudden, after 22 years, 23 years, he didn't want to put Han Solo in a light of being the bad guy, for some reason, not 100% sure why, but that is the idea behind the the revision because there was a conflict between Han and Greedo. It got to a a point where Han had to defend himself and he openly can defend himself in this environment. We're talking about that old West environment where gentlemen carried their, their firearms openly. And it was known that if there was a conflict and whoever shot first was going to buy it, that was it. So The idea that you had to pad that somehow and make it seem like Greedo fired first when Greedo was holding an E-11 blaster in Han's face for a good portion of 12 minutes. You know, Han at any point could have just taken him out within legal rights, but he didn't. He waited until a certain moment where he felt that he was threatened and he fired first because that's who he is. Han Solo is that guy. He's the guy that if you're gonna to push to the limit, he's gonna take this, take a stand. Uh, plus the editing, everything having to do with the idea that you are standing or sitting two and a half feet away from somebody and you're gonna miss on that shot? No, Greedo would never miss. There is no way That character, who's also a a smuggler, bounty hunter, has, has killed before, has defended himself before, would have missed that shot. It's inconceivable, Your Honor. It's inconceivable that that shot would have missed, which would have allowed Han to fire back under the table with a blaster that he had already unholstered and had ready to go with the safety off. Inconceivable. Han would have been laid out in in a pile of smoke if reality had set its ways. But because of editing and poor judgment on, I'm sorry to say, the father's part, the whole scene is trash and Mm. should be stricken from the record completely. It has no place in this story. Unfounded and... If you ask me every time I watch it, it sickens me to see because I know what's going to happen. Greedo is going to somehow fire up. The shot's going to ricochet off the back of the, the concrete behind Han. And then, of course, you know what happens. Greedo is cut in half with a laser blast. Very interesting piece of
0: evidence. Very, very interesting piece of evidence. Um, defense?
1: I... My plan here is to enter the Chewbacca defense from South Park, uh, wh- which is to say that because Chewbacca lives on uh, Endor and not Kashyyyk, where he should live amongst uh, the Ewoks, uh, that does not make any sense whatsoever. Uh, and so we must apply this logic to this scene, because if Chewbacca lives on Endor, which we know he does, amongst the Ewoks, which are very small Wookiees, then we must not we must not consider that Han Shepherd.
3: Excuse
2: me. Yeah.
3: Your honor, can can I have can I actually cross examine the, the the defense? Yes, you may. This this idea that you have, sir, of Chewbacca living on Endor, exactly how does that relate to the fact that Han Solo, a smuggler, a scoundrel, uh would would put himself in a position where he was to begin with? But then Greedo missed a shot two and a half feet away, didn't actually didn't actually miss. He actually fired up in the air as if to say it's a warning shot. Fired over Han Solo. And what does that have to do with where Chewbacca lived?
1: All right, let me, let me walk you through this one again. Uh, please. I'll, I'll do please. it slowly this time. <laughs> Chewbacca is a Wookiee. A Wookiee. From speak. He that is don't from, have anything to do with he is from the planet Kashyyyk, a planet of large trees and Wookiees that are large animals. But he lives on Endor, where the Ewoks live. And that doesn't make any sense.
3: So you're actually building my case and saying that the whole scene didn't make any sense.
1: What I'm saying, and I, and I feel like I've said it a couple times here, mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. that. If Chewbacca, who is a Wookiee, does not live on Kashyyyk and instead lives on Endor where the Ewoks live, that doesn't make it.
2: <laughs> I'll let you decide that one, Your Honor. All right. Present a different argument. Let's get into some some more specifics. Okay. The All whole. Right. The, the whole. So you're telling um,
1: me. So you're telling me that it's inconceivable that this bounty hunter got a shot off against Han Solo. Is that right?
3: 100 percent.
1: you're telling me that han solo was able to shoot this guy in the stomach fast enough to kill him before his brain could trigger his finger right is that what you're saying to me in the stomach shoot him in the stomach and the guy yeah. couldn't pull the trigger
3: 100
1: i physiologically sir i don't know that that's something that i would believe especially understanding that rodians are you know essentially based on insects and their segmented nervous system would prevent what you're saying from being possible. So the idea that Greedo, a trained bounty hunter, a member of the bounty hunter guild, a bounty hunter tr- from the guild hired by the local daimyo, Jabba the Hutt, to go after Han Solo, a miscreant, in a bar. And you're telling me that you don't think he could get a single shot out? Even one? That, to me, strange quadrilogy, sir. He could get a single shot out. Would he miss? You... You just told me you've been shot in the stomach, sir. I don't know how how this is an unconceivable situation. He had
3: he had a shot. He had a he had he had one shot. At the very at the very
1: least, they both should have shot each other. Unless, of course, and bear with me on this, there was some sort of unified force that connected all the living beings in the galaxy together and could direct events as it saw fit
0: that's the next movie we'll argue yeah, that you're, yeah your, your honor I, I don't
2: believe the wills have a valid
0: point in this interaction <laughs> yeah
2: I do the, know. um the 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 defense yeah. is sort of like you know gotten off the rails as far as that neither of them hold the um um the 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 as far um, as I know, the, the force uh, any any parts of the force and everything so let's stricken that from the record there okay all right
3: let's 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 move on to my next
2: next uh, argument
3: next argument so the whole idea of going back and doing a special edition is George knew he was going to be expanding on his universe. And he wanted to make sure that this trilogy fit the new trilogy by enhancing it in ways that would bring the things together, which I I do agree with. In certain aspects, um, the next part I'd like to talk about is, again, a little bit. Let's re, let's let's fa, let's fast forward a little bit. Han Solo meet Jabba the Hutt—a very Mm -hmm. queer
1: scene to
3: have entered in because it really didn't do anything for the story. Uh, We got to see Jabba a little early, but that was his attempt, George's attempt to tie like Return of the Jedi into A New Hope a little bit, which he really didn't need to do. Um, Again, my big problem with the scene is that it, again, it's poorly edited. They took a scene that was shot, as our defense uh, specialist did say, George shot a lot of footage in Tunisia, Tunisia, as he said, that wasn't put into film, but he had in the back burner. And one of them was a scene with Jabba, who was a a man at the time. Uh, He didn't know he wanted to make him a slug. So he shot this scene with a, a kind of a burly man, much as like myself. And uh, his name was Jabba. And Han at one point walks around the back of him. So when they put Jabba into the scene, they had to three CG it over this man. And because Jabba had a long tail, Han had to step on something or step over something. Which, if you watch the scene, is almost comedic and also trashy. Almost as bad as Greedo missing a shot um, yeah. To me, aside from the introduction of Boba Fett in this scene, the whole thing was garbage and should have been left out. Never mm. should this scene have been entered into um, A New Hope. It made no sense. It didn't push the story in any direction. It didn't enhance any of the characters. All it did was make a dismal, almost laughable attempt at very, very early uh, CG um. Uh, editing in uh, in a film.
2: Garbage. Defense?
1: First things first. Saying that a scene only introduced Boba Fett is sort of like saying mozzarella cheese hasn't done anything for us except pizza. Uh, it's, it's, It's ridiculous. This is a scene that adds a lot to this movie. Number one, it does add Boba Fett, as you correctly pointed out. Boba Fett is in this scene. It is not simply an introduction for Jabba the Hutt. Although it does serve as that. But let's not forget the reason George Lucas did this is because he needed to have his technology ready for episode one. So that he could introduce a character that I hate, Jar Jar Biggs. Job of the Hutt here is the first actually fully realized digital character ever done in cinema, predating, predating Jar Jar Biggs, whom I hate, by two years. So for me. This is the very first go-round of this technology, and I think that it's bad form to talk about all the revisions and, and improvements that have been done to, to the prints and to the sound over the years, and at the same time fault uh, this attempt to bring in digital technology. Uh, that's all That's all one thing. The other thing is that this does actually add a lot to the story because it, int- it shows you that Jabba the Hutt is the character from Phantom Menace. It ties all of that together because Jabba is that character that starts in episode one, and ends in episode six, just like some other characters you may know, like Darth Vader, right? Like the Emperor, right? So I think that's pretty great, number one. Number two, this is going to end a lot of confusion that I had as a kid before they put this scene in. when I was wondering who who he owed this money to and why I should care. That's a big piece of the plot of the rest of the movie, and I think that seeing Jabba the Hut, and especially for us, the seasoned Star Wars fan, really brings home exactly how serious... Han's predicament is. And I think that it adds a lot to the jeopardy and a lot to the, you know, a lot to the tension in the end of this movie when Han is packing up his reward and making off from Yavin 4 so that he can go pay off Jabba. Why is he going to pay off Jabba? Because we know is going to send a much better bounty hunter after him than the incompetent guy he the first time, right? A guy so incompetent that he couldn't even hit a dude sitting across the table from him. So to me, this all adds to the flavor. And I think it is produced very well. I think George was right not to put it in the first time with the guy that looked like us, right, just some big dude in a fur outfit, not cool, right? And he was correct to wait for Jabba the Hutt to arrive. Uh, I think this is a great scene. And I, I'll actually defend this one, uh, unlike the last scene we talked about, which, which I, there's not a lot I could offer in defense of that change. I think that change was not as good. Uh, but this change makes a lot of sense to me. It sets up the Jeopardy waiting for Han after he leaves the Alliance. And it really pushes him out the door. So it makes sense that he leaves. And you know what? It makes what Luke says to him. Or it makes what, well, I think it, someone of Leia says that to him. Oh, you're all about money. All these comments actually hurt him because he's really in Jeopardy. It's not like he's just trying to be a money grubber. I mean, these guys are threatening his life directly before he left. And that was only like, you know, yesterday to him. It's not like this movie takes place over a very long time. You know, it's a trip to Alderaan and back, and that's about it, right? So it's like three, four days at the most. So it's not like he's forgotten this event. So for me, I disagree. I think that this is an important scene. It establishes the stakes for Han Solo, and it introduces Boba Fett, which, again, that's pretty great. I think I think it's like saying, you know, everything was terrible about that baseball game except, you know, when the when the home team won in the 15th inning, right?
0: Except for they have that noted
2: defense. Anything for that prosecution?
3: So let me understand. So you're saying that without this scene, and having watched these films in their entirety, in their original form, when you got to Return of the Jedi, did you not have an idea who this character was? Or did you need to have a connection done that had not already been played out in the original dialogue and uh, preservation of the original character uh, uh, built. So what I'm getting at is we already knew Han Solo was a, a desperate guy. We already knew that Han Solo was an experienced criminal, smuggler, saboteur, a, a, a established interstellar hunter of gain for himself did we need to enhance that in any way? Was there a need to say, well, you know what? We need to really build up this job of the hut guy. Cause he's probably the only person that has uh, trouble with Han Solo or Han Solo has any, uh, ill gotten gains or bad blood. I think Han Solo probably has these, these, this bad blood on every system that he's ever touched. Lando Calrissian, IG-88, uh, we hear, I mean, we look at the story. If you just watch the trilogy as it was, we already get all this. We don't need to go back and ham, hammer, hand hammer some attempt to experiment with new technology. We already had it. George built this technology in the 70s. Yes, the defense is correct. George started with zero, and he built this up. He created everything from the Starship digital uh, uh photography of the starships the, the the everything the the backgrounds the the set design i'm pretty sure if you look in the dictionary you look up green screen george lucas created that there, there he built all this technology there wasn't a need to go back and enhance everything or practice uh i just feel if you're watching this film in its just what it is I don't feel as a as a viewer you need this or I think as you if you've seen it hundreds and thousands of times as I have and then you see this it's like a it's like a glitch it's like a scratch on your record it's like something
1: that shouldn't be there except mm-hmm. it introduces boba fett and jabba the Hutt and also we- makes it explicit who this person is and this is also let's not forget that at the end of the at the end of the prequel trilogy Boba Fett is way more important to the Star Wars story than he was in 1997. So adding Boba Fett to this is much more important to modern Star Wars than it would have been before the prequel trilogy was made. So this is all part and parcel of that and does in my opinion because it ties episode 6 to episode 4 to episode 3 and 2, right? Because it does all of that. I think yes. The answer to your initial posit, which is, does this add something to me later on when I see Jabba again? It does. And the other thing it does is it gives me a look at a much more slender and active Jabba the Hutt. He's not grown fat and not grown slothful yet. As you know, he's this enormous slug in what two years? He's like tripled in size. So this young virile Jabba the Hutt—I mean, you can okay, see I'll why not this Jabba the
2: to- Hutt, fat-shaming Jabba the Hutt, order in the court, order in the court, no fat-shaming Jabba the Hutt. Okay, do that one more time. Defense. He's a slug.
1: <laughs>
2: okay. A space slug. You've been warned. I will unanimous.
3: I will, in in the honor of things, I will give the defense the point that, as I made, job Boba Fett introduction there was the most important piece of that whole thing. It should have been done differently. It should have been done better. It was a sloppy redo of the original edit. I would have rather seen Luke at Anchorhead. At Tashi Station. That footage is there too. I would rather have seen that if you needed to interject something that would tie together films.
1: But but who are those characters? They don't like they don't come back. That's the thing. Like there's no there's no purpose to having them introduced because they don't Luke doesn't go back. Luke doesn't become a Jedi master and meet these people again. You know, he meets Biggs letter and that's it. Yeah. So, and so those character a little bit, like we understand the relationship between
3: Biggs and Luke. You know, I mean, so so that during the Battle of Yavin, we got an idea of how intense that relationship was and where it started.
2: Okay. Very interesting right. points.
1: You know, it's very. one thing that is very interesting is that 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 scene on Yavin Four of Biggs and Luke meeting was added in 1997 to the special edition. So mm-hmm. it's very interesting that you would bring up one of those revisions uh, in this case uh, as an example of something that tied everything together and made everything better. And I think that perhaps we are focusing too much on what happened on Tatooine and too little on what fo- what happened on Yavin 4, because Yavin 4 is a place where there were many of these adjustments to improve, uh, improve things, let alone add that scene, as you're saying, th- with Biggs. Let's, let's think for a moment about what what the scene of all the X-Wings taking off from Yavin looked like in the theater in 1977. It was just like beams of light sort of shooting up into the sky. George Lucas went back and added the whole X-Wings taking off. He put all of that digitally into that scene on Yavin 4, giving it much more depth and making it much more, uh, much more in line with what we see in other places. Also, lots of air combat was improved. Uh, lots of the approach shots in Yavin 4 were improved. The Death Star explosion itself, if we want to call that the same thing. know part of the Avon four situation
0: yeah yes
3: but those revisions again like i originally tried to preface did not change course of the film or alter character development they kept everything the same and it was a a a revision or let's not really a revision we didn't revise anything i mean gold leader still died uh porkins still died there wasn't spoiler any alert. change to the story. Objection, Your Honor. Spoiler, spoiler alert! It was Spoiler
1: a p- alert for Star Wars.
2: <laughs> spoiler alert. Okay. <laughs> Stop right now if you have not watched. Star Wars, yeah, go if you haven't seen Star Wars, you turn off YouTube.
0: Where do you find
3: out? You who are a nerd,
2: <laughs> and watching a nerd court. Do not watch this episode or anything. <laughs> Or, or anything nerd related. Okay, so make sure you get all your Star Wars um, um stuff together. Okay, all right. Let's get to another um. Uh, let's get to another argument.
3: I'll 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 jump to Return of the Jedi, and I'll say mm. that basically, a lot of the meddling that George did was in Metal. New Hope and. Empire Strikes Back. Uh, Return of the Jedi, pretty much, except for a few enhanced scenes, um, battle scenes, pretty much left intact until the end. Um, The end scene where he tied together celebrations from across the galaxy uh, was done splendidly. I do see the merit um, and I do see what his, his expectations were. Um, the problem I have with it is that at the time when these revisions were done, and these edits were put in, we weren't—we didn't know what these places were per se. They weren't as much in the mind of a typical Star Wars fan. Uh, we knew a little of Coruscant. Just because it was spoken of, or not specifically as Coruscant, but as the um, as where the, uh, the Republic was. So we weren't really aware of these places, per se. So it did kind of cause a jumble. It was kind of like a... Well, first we were on Endor, and then we were on this, this city planet. And then we were obviously maybe back on Tatooine. We're not sure. It kind of was a confusion. It didn't have a real good set timeline we did see the um the the, the statue of the em- the emperor pulled down um did did that really make sense within the, the 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 grand scheme of things i mean was that really the end of the emperor we didn't really know and that kind of assumed a lot of things um but i do understand where that came from um the, the some of the edits done at the film when they put the changed the spirits the the uh, you know the changed the um, we got we got actually uh, the uh, the the new obi-wan in there the, the hayden christensen um, they did pull in the elements from other films but i felt that we needed to just keep that trilogy together and i think that was a a little bit of a stretch i like to see the original you know the darth vader that we originally were faced with um, and Alec Guinness is Obi Wan Kenobi, uh, you know, in that age. And I didn't think that that really enhanced anything or built anything. But again, my big objection to the thing is showing the celebrations over, over places and in the galaxy that we really didn't know where that was. I think it was a confusion at the end of the film.
1: All right, defense first of all there are a bunch of revisions in the return of the jedi uh we can certainly start with uh you know we can start with the victory celebration for sure i think the victory celebration ties the whole the whole thing together and it allows you to look at other environs that were not in the original trilogy you know we really only see five or six planets out of a galaxy of 100 billion planets with trillions and trillions of sentient beings and i think that Widening the scope, one showing us Imperial City, which is what we called it before we called it a Coruscant, and showing us the other environs of the prequel trilogy, which were added in after the prequel trilogy. Uh, I think put a nice bow on the original, you know, six movie saga, especially when you consider that episodes two and three are all mostly concerned with the Clone Wars and their beginning and ending. I think that seeing those places that we hadn't gone back to yet in the middle part of the story. Really ties everything together. I think that also, you know, the Force Ghost situation is is just to harken back to my opening opening argument. You know, you're allowed to change whatever you want. And frankly, the old Darth Vader. If I'm doing a curtain call at the end of Episode Six and I want to curtain call my my actors from Episode One, Two, Three, I don't want to see the old Darth Vader. We never even see that guy. Darth Vader in the in the original trilogy. You know who what his name is is James Earl Jones and that dude that they put in that movie is not James Earl Jones right it's a diff, it's a character that's playing the, the Anakin Skywalker so for for George to go back and say listen one Hayden Christensen played Anakin Skywalker in two friggin movies for 60 years and dealt with all that stuff shouldn't we give him a curtain call at the end of this and two to come out and actually state that what Darth Vader keeps telling us over and over, including in the last Obi-Wan Kenobi series, is very true. The Anakin Skywalker that you know loved Padme and was Obi-Wan's best friend and Luke's dad is dead, literally dead, killed by Darth Vader, and remains dead until uh, the uh, the "no" that he screams in the Emperor's throne room, right, right before this. So, and that ties us right to Darth Vader's birth at the end of uh, episode. Uh, episode three, we get his birth and death are accompanied by the same regretful, mournful yell. Uh, I, I think that these revisions add a whole lot of depth to uh, the Star Wars universe. And I think that what they do is make, again, the story cohesion uh, even stronger than it was when we were only looking at the smaller piece. We only had had that much of what Star Wars is now revealed to us in, before 1997. But did
3: they make it better? did they make viewing episode 456 a better experience yes. if you saw these films if you saw if you watched which you can't find the un the unrevised versions unless you owned them previously they've been stricken from the record disney doesn't accept them you can't find them anywhere if it's on if it's on a tv channel somewhere it's you're going to see these revisions you can't they, they have taken away your option they have taken away your option your honor of viewing the original trilogy for your own point of view it's almost censorship in a very ugly way and people that have never seen the original trilogy, it's also given a a great disservice, because they can't see where this emotional story came from. All they can see now is a multi-billion dollar redo project that has some merit, but in a lot of ways, wastes time and money, and takes away from the story, which is supposed to be gritty, and raw, and you know, with that with that dirty dirty grime of the old west, and with the you know the the, the sloppy politics and the, the 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 evil with the big hammer, and how the how the good and how the rebellion comes up, and now we're just watching special effects instead of watching a story.
1: Your Honor, I, I, it should have pleased the court. I, I would like to introduce another example of the changes. Uh, made by, by George Lucas here to this story. Uh, in addition to bringing back the correct actor for Anakin Skywalker, Hayden Christensen, we also have the introduction in the beginning of this movie, a, a scene that I'm not sure if uh, the prosecutor either forgot or perhaps uh, simply conflated again with the original trilogy that he seems to love so much and conflated these revisions that were made that seem to have ruined the movies that he loves that he he doesn't notice. So let's take a look at another one of those, the Max Rebo Band in the opening of Return of the Jedi. This entire musical number is added to a Star Wars by George Lucas, making this scene in Jabba's palace weirder than anything else that we had seen in Star Wars yet. And I love how weird this thing is. I love that everybody's into this insane song that's being sung by like aliens with weird, weird mouths that could not pop. They're making sounds that don't sound like they could come out of human beings, right? I, I, I know they're ingested or whatever, but it's super nifty. I think it's a really great scene. I think it adds a lot of depth because, look, Job is a gangster. And what do you see if you go into one of those old school saloons, right? On the Old West, someone's in there playing the piano. You know, you talk to old, old, old uh, uh, like blues guys or old blues pianos players. Like Al Capone would kidnap them for three days, make them play the piano for three days and like stuff their pockets full of money and send them home. So this is a, a thing that's part of gangster culture. These, 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 uh, uh, in, in many cases, attractive singers. And we get an attractive singer except, you know, and, and, and should it, should it please the court? I would not presume to understood, understand Hattie's beauty standards. Uh, but what I will say is that they are alien to me in the same way that, uh, Uh, that uh, I do not understand whether or not Jabba's weight gain is a positive or negative thing as viewed in his (laughs) speech. So I cannot comment on whether or not that is shameful or not, your Your honor, to clarify a previous argument. All
2: right. You're very close there, defense.
1: I know where the line is, your honor. All right. Thank you.
2: appreciate you. Let let me
1: say again that I appreciate the wiseness of your decisions and you are a million watt smile, man. And I appreciate that. But these scenes in Jabba's palace give us more depth. Again, more depth, more depth. And why is that important? Because later on, we're going to have a whole series about Jabba's palace. So there was very pressure for them to add these scenes to flesh out some of the layout. You know, give us a little bit more of the cast of characters. And what else do we get here in the revisions? A little bit of saucy, flirty Boba Fett. So
3: that scene was already in the film. There was already a band. It didn't need to be a Broadway show. There wasn't <laughs> any need to take this dark scene, which it's dark in that this is the scene we see Ula die. Um, this is also a, a build up to the scene where we're gonna soon see Jabba and Luke conflict. Spoiler, sorry but The scene
1: itself. You're on. I object.
3: The, scene on, the prosecution is dangling anything.
1: spoilers over the court as if as if they they can can tell us how it happens in these shows. I I just object to it.
2: We're in a court. If you have not seen Star Wars again, if you are a nerd and have not seen Star Wars, how many years now has the uh, the, the 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 first trilogy been out, or the um the the middle 25. three? Or the Bay Bailiff, can we get a um, um exact count? Forty-five. I heard someone say. Okay, then you need to stop this video, just this, this, this live right now that you're watching. <laughs> watch the trilogies and the prequels, and then come back. You know, and enjoy our show. All right. And I and I and I would challenge you, Your Honor.
3: And I would challenge you to watch the original trilogy. I would challenge you to go out and find it. If you can find it. If you can find it.
2: I You're feel asking the audience my, to do a lot of work.
3: <laughs> Sometimes great work must be
2: had. Uh, your, your,
1: your Honor, may, may I ask a, your Honor a question? Sure. It, your Honor, is Coca-Cola a popular drink?
2: Yes, it is.
1: Would it be hard for your Honor to find a Coca-Cola? Should I ask your Honor to go find one? Not at all. Your Honor, it stands to reason that if we are not able to find these original trilogies, these original versions of these trilogies, that they are not popular at all.
3: It's 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 called it's called censorship, sir.
1: Your Honor, I, to it's, to harken back called, to my opening argument, a man a man cannot censor his own art.
2: Order in the court. Order in the court. To be honest, prosecution. That is sorta of like asking um to use um the defense's metaphor, that's sort of like asking us, your audience, our audience, to try to find an RC cola. Okay. <laughs>
0: your Honor, actually it would be Cherokee Red, which is seen to fell <laughs> off the face of the earth. It's uh, fell off that, the face of the earth. Your
1: Honor, Your Honor, okay. I would like to petition the court to bring back Cherokee Red. <laughs>
0: che- that's another nerd's court for itself. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. <laughs>
2: so, we're, in the, we're in the prosecution we're not in the business of requiring our audience the nerves that they are the nerves that, that that actually go and do the, their homework as much as they do to try to make corrections and comments and dictations <laughs> on what should be done okay so if this is the work that they choose to do let them do that on their own okay All right. I, I so before we, wrap, before we wrap this up, because I'm not going to let this go on all night, you guys, okay? Do we have any more arguments from this trilogy, from this, from any revisions that um, George, George Lucas has done to um, to present here, um, so I can think over, you know, um, um, uh, and give and give my um, verdict later? Anything else?
3: I, I would like to hit on one point that the defense brought up about. The face of Darth Vader and who we should have had at the end of the film. Okay, um, Sebastian Shaw, a very fine English actor, uh, presented the first time that we saw Darth Vader in a very human way. And I think if you watch the original scene and the way Sebastian looked at Luke, I think there was a there was a tight bond. There was there was an um, a moment where you actually felt the emotion of father and son seeing each other for the first time. Luke had never seen his father, ever. So this no. is a moment that is very emotional encapsulated. Okay, It's a time where we see this for the first time and it works and it has value. And I think the way that that builds to the end of the film, and again, we see Luke turn around and very emotionally stare at the the three people who really molded his current life and his future. And the way they look back at him, I think that was a moment that needed to be preserved. Um, I think the enhancement really took away from it because I don't think Hayden Christensen really had that that vibe. Uh, it didn't. It didn't sit. It didn't sit well with me as a objection. You're on
1: objection. Objection. This is a. I will not have the performance of Hayden Christensen as the actual Anakin Skywalker, Milan, in this day and age, in the year 2022. After he has performed so well as the scarred Anakin Skywalker.
2: Overruled. The guy has not done um, quality acting for years. So it remains to be seen how he will, um, you know, eventually do. Okay. So objection overruled.
3: We can we can move to closing arguments, Your Honor.
2: Okay. All right. Um, I'll give you. Let we'll, while we're on did you, prosecution. Let's let's start with you for closing arguments. So, in closing, um,
3: I just want to impart on the court, um, and honorable defense and Honorable Bailiff, thank you for listening to us and listening to us speak emotionally about a story, a film, uh, characters with plots, subplots that has changed us and helped develop the humans that we are from from childhood. And I just wanna say that, you know, sometimes when things are done in a certain way, it's best to let them lie. It's best to let them go and have them cherish themselves in the history and the the respect that they had originally been done. Um, yes, modern technology has improved. Um, if these films were shot now, brand new, um, with these objections, with these, with these. Would these problems that I have be of uh, such an emotional value? Probably not. But because these are changes that took place 30, 30 years after the original material was done, um, I feel that it, none of it changed the course of the film, enhanced any of the aspect of the story, improved the viewer's enjoyment or understanding of where the story fit in the bigger picture, uh, I feel that the trilogy, if left alone, the way it was, would fit beautifully into the na- new trilogy uh, without any clunkiness. I don't feel anything would be out of place. The characters would ride just as way they should, and the films would walk together from one, two, three into four, five, six, and including the new rogue one and the new the the solo uh, film would all fit very nicely in without these added embellishments that has been done
2: your honor thank you i appreciate you defense closing arguments
1: your honor it has been an honor to represent uh, the vision of uh, george lucas circa 2010 uh for the nerd court today uh, you have been a very wise arbiter uh, today. Uh, Moff Tarkin, you have been a, a, an admirable and uh, uh, illustrious uh, person to argue against. And I've appreciated the order that the bailiff has kept today. Uh, this has been a very fun, a fun argument for me to make. Uh, one, one aspect of this that I've been saving is, is to talk about the missing person uh, from the original trilogy, who came in the prequel trilogy and has become, you know, as we have completed our chronological watch, one of the most important people in the Star Wars universe. And that is the face and voice of the Clone Troopers and Boba Fett, uh, Tamara Morrison. Um, one of the main things that I liked the most about the revisions that George Lucas made was to go back in and re record the dialogue of Boba Fett with Tamara Morrison's voice. Because that immediately grounds us to not just the prequel trilogies, but the cartoons and everything that features the clone trooper. Anybody could be in that armor. Anybody could be in that armor, but we know that it's a Tamura Morrison, right? We know it's a clone, and we know it's way too late for them to still be around, running around like they're young kids, right? So to me, these revisions are emblematic of a change that George Lucas underwent. When he decided to take his singular movie of Star Wars and start revising it by changing its title to Episode Four, A New Hope for its re release before Empire Strikes Back in 1980. So, the idea that these documents were not living for the entire duration of their creation, I think, is, is sort of short sighted and ahistorical. I don't think that it complies with the version of reality that we'd have, frankly, where George Lucas is just gonna do what he's gonna do. And to the question of whether or not these things ruined these movies, uh, I, I again have to come back to the fact that it's hard to keep straight what was added and when. It is so interwoven into the fabric of these movies that the changes that George Lucas made have to be so minor that we get confused about where they are. For the most part, are there some no- are, are there some notable exceptions? Yeah. Could I offer any sort of defense for Han not shooting first? I think you, I think we saw what happened <laughs> when I tried to do that. And so, so I, I mean, look, I'm not, I'm not here to say that this is some sort of, uh, you know, 49, nothing drubbing or whatever. But I, I think that when you look at, at these revisions, these changes that George Lucas made on the whole, on the balance, what they do is they add to the story, they expand the world and they bring you more into the deeper reality of star Wars, which is as a media conglomerate.
2: Interesting. Huh, boy, interesting. You guys, honor. Uh, hey, the, the bailiff day, they, they presented some really, really, really yeah. tough arguments. Um, You guys have, have given me a lot of material to go over for this next week before I present, you know, my um, final verdict. Um, I, I, I mean, as a creator myself, it's the 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 defenses, you know, um, stated that um, very good looking one. Um, There's a lot to there's a lot to be said. So um, I have a week to 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 go over this, and we will present our argument, uh, our argument, our verdict. You know, um, you know, come come next week here. Do you want to close us out here, bailiff? Yes, I definitely put. Before I do that, I want to thank you the audience for also, you know, listening to us also want to thank, you know, the defense and the prosecution for being in this court today and also the bailiff, you know, with this, you know, nice, you know, um, bald head there, you know? Um, So (laughs) just keep it, keep it shining, buddy. Keep it shining. So close us out bailiff.
0: Of course, of course. And, and, And once again, as the judge, your honor said, uh, we definitely appreciate uh, the defense as well as the prosecution coming on tonight, as well as all our listeners out there. We really appreciate you guys coming uh, to this special, special, special episode where our very own Carbonite Bound BS meets uh, Nerd Psycho Comic Flick Show. So, uh, as we stated off the bat, for those who came on late, um, great way to interact with us on all our platforms, but to see these awesome episodes. This is Docket Two of nerd court. Um, the first docket was a case of the Marvel and keep in mind guys, there are a lot more dockets coming forward. So we will have more judges. We will have more defense, more prosecutions and other bailiffs as well as maybe even jury. So as we've stated, uh, we appreciate everybody listening to this case and please tune in next week for the decision known as the verdict. So until next week, guys, as we say in carbon, out on EBS, this is the way. This is the way.
1: This is the way. And as we say on Nerd Psycho Comic Flick Show, see you next time. Same nerd time, same nerd channel.